Welcome to Peabody's. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Elizabeth Wynn Marshall, and you're listening to Season 2, Episode 5. At Peabody's, we're celebrating. I think we're always celebrating. We stay in a perpetual state of celebration. And we're glad you're listening, too, so we're celebrating that you have joined us. We're glad you've discovered us and have decided to slip on your earbuds to listen to our podcast or dial us up in your vehicle where, while you scoot around town. However you're listening, thank you for sharing a slice of your day with us. Right now we are celebrating our second season of our first year, which means we are learning and tweaking and changing and evolving. We're learning the ropes of podcasting as we build our wings on the way down. Or is it the way up? As a writer, I have had the privilege of writing a subscriber letter for several years, one which mails to folks once a month-ish. Emphasis on the ish. That newsletter is joining hands with the podcast, partnering together and forming one new letter called Peabody's Notebook, Pursue the Art of Noticing. It will be mailed each Wednesday in conjunction with the release of the podcast. I hope you'll sign up, and I hope you'll join me. It will contain show notes, footnotes, and side notes, and more information relating to each episode's interview. It will include book recommendations and highlights of good things I've discovered in my real life and around the interwebs. Flashes of brilliance I've found, art, whimsy, and quotes from favorite authors and artists. More on that later. To sign up, visit my website, elizabethwmarshall.com, and click the tab marked Peabody's Notebook. Or you may email me at peabody'spodcast at gmail.com. If you wish to be included, and I'll add you to our email list. Finally, you can message me on Instagram at peabody'spodcast and let me know you want to receive the premiere issue of our newsletter. I'm your host, Elizabeth Lynn Marshall, and you're listening to Peabody's Podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'd like to introduce you to today's guest, Reverend Summer Joy Gross. Listen to a little bit about Summer in her own words. Summer writes, each day in the fourth grade, Miss Vigne passed out black and white composition notebooks and turned the egg timer to 30 minutes. The silence felt cashmere. 30 whole minutes. I wrote sappy poetry, sci-fi short stories with bizarre twists, and spilled my questions to God. I played on the page. I learned to pray on the page. For five years, I've carried a project. This month it was born. Through neuroscience, attachment theory, and practical spiritual practices, I've been taught a pathway to overcome anxiety, to rest in God. I'm a praxis girl. Practical. Enough theory already. No more hiding behind a podium. For 10 years, I've studied and taught this work to small groups, and this month it went live. It's called The Presence Project. I was born in Genoa, Italy. Think pasta lace with pesto, blood oranges, and drives along the Italian Riviera. A few years ago, Mom, Dad, and I walked up to the five-floor apartment building with a sliver view of the Mediterranean where we had lived. My mother approached an older woman fumbling with her keys. The woman waved her hands excitedly and I heard the Americanos and Bambino and Gia dell'estate, joy of the summer. The name of the Italian, the name the Italians called me. The tears felt hot. 
My memory was held by this sweet grandmother carrying groceries in a net market bag. We all need witnesses to our stories. I get to crawl in between the sheets every night with my high school sweetheart. Our first date was a walk down this country lane in spring when the white trillium were in bloom. After seminary, we spent 10 years in Priscilla and Anguilla ministry as parish priests on the coast of Lake Michigan. Each one of our babies, now 14, 12, and 9, were born at the hospital within walking distance of our house. These days, he works for the Archbishop of Acna. I homeschool our oldest two, and every afternoon I do spiritual direction, usually from Zoom, and hold women's hard and holy stories. I'm stunned by the beauty of the human soul every single time. I'm stunned by the way the Lord comes near every single time. And now join me for a conversation with Reverend Summer Joy Gross. My friend. Okay. Hey Summer, welcome. Hi Elizabeth, it's it is such a treat to talk with you. I've got my tea going here and I'm just pretending like we're having some time together something I've always wanted to have. Oh, it was such a pleasure to um, to actually spend a little bit of time with you last year and to meet you. And ever since our brief time together um, at retreat, I've been longing for um, more time with you. So my hope is that, um, that we'll do an in-person interview soon, that I will travel to Atlanta and we'll meet up. But for now, you're having tea and I'm having Diet Dr. Pepper, and this is our pretend tea time. <laughs> yes, ma'am. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> well, let's get started. I have so many places I want to go with you and things I want to discuss, but let's start here. Um, so as you know, here at Peabody's, we love to learn from creatives, and we love to listen to creatives and see the world through the lens of other. Um, we're here cheering on the work of artists as they use their gifts and talents to interpret what they're uncovering and discovering in their world. Mm -hmm. um, um, what they're seeing in the cracks and the gaps and the wide open and the hidden of the mystery and within the mysterious places of their lives. And one of my favorite questions to ask my guests here at Peabody's is this, um, Summer, what current creative project are you involved with? that you'd like to share a bit about with us. Um, we're all ears. That one project that you're wholly passionate about that fills you with delight and excitement when your feet first hit the ground in the morning. Oh, Elizabeth, I am, it has just been such a beautiful journey. I am doing what's called the Presence Project these days, and my feet are hitting the floor at around 4 a.m. most mornings because uh, I just need a chunk of time to work every day. And it, essentially what the Presence Project is, it's 12 practices, 12 spiritual practices. Most of them are ancient. A few of them are modern in which we learn to rest in God and uh, not just calm our anxiety, but we learn to root and establish deeply in the love of God so that all of our life is lived out of that space. 
So it has been such a joy. We just launched this month, this month of January, and um, we've got about 300 people that are doing it. Wonderful, wonderful. It's such a work of your heart, and um, I I have watched you, um, not for the full five years, but I have watched you of late, and I can see um, that it's a calling, and that is um, just bubbling up and there's so much joy. Um, so I would love to know a little bit more about how the present project was conceived, how it was born, and um, where are you today with this beautifully conceived project? Um, you've got 300 people and I, I'm just hungry to know more about it. Yeah. So I'm, so for the past Uh, About 13 years, I have been learning. I'm an Anglican priest, and I began to see people hungry for transformation and uh, really in stuck places and starting to ask the Lord, where do I go in order to get the training that I need uh, to, to learn to help people move from places where they're really stuck into places of wholeness in Christ, uh, of freedom in Christ, of being able to receive Christ's love and, and then love other people in freedom. You know that big journey. And um, so I found, uh, or someone else told me about Healing Care Ministries with Terry Wardle and Anne Halley, a great group of professors, Sarah Herring, amazing, amazing professors. It was located at Ashland, Ohio, Ashland Seminary, and their pastoral care department pastoral counseling department was a part of it too. So it crossed over lines from inner healing, really practical inner healing to neuroscience, to Mm. attachment theory, to, um, to spiritual practices. And so I Mm. began to learn these practices and do a small group Every single year, I'd take a small group of about five or six people through an intense experience of uh, going into the spaces of their woundings with the presence of God and watching the Lord uh, do absolutely transforming things for them. But what I recognize that is that even before we could go there, People had to feel a sense of trust, a sense of knowing that they are loved in order to go into places of pain. Does that make Mm. sense? Absolutely. Mm. So I started seeing these practices, some of which we were doing along the way, and some of which I incorporated along the way even more so that people could... um, receive the love of God uh, in order to go into that place and just recognize that some of us need to do that type of rooting and establishing in God's love even deeper, uh, Mm. whether we're going into spaces of healing or not. 
So that's where the idea came from. Most of this was taught to me. It is not new information. Um, Kurt Thompson from Anatomy of the Soul teaches some of this. Anne Halley, Terry Wardle, Sarah Herring. It's been uh, this uh, spiritual practices and neuroscience have gone together for quite a while. Um, Jim Wilder, there's quite a few people doing this, but it's the process and taking in the journey and the taking people through. And as I've been doing spiritual direction for so long or for a while, I've started recognizing that one built upon the other in, mm-hmm. in creating spaces of attachment. And mm-hmm. so that's what I, uh, how uh, this work developed. I started reading everything I could get my hands on and incorporating it in my groups as well as one-on-one. But my favorite, favorite thing has been launching it and watching this group of people take like this month we're doing breath prayer and just very simply there's all kinds of form of breath prayer and this month is just breathing in a short breath and a longer breath out Mm. and what happens is we switch on uh, a space of rest and peace and if we can do that with the scripture in which we're coming into relationship with God kind of as a prayer, uh, then we are beginning to train our minds to enter into the presence of God um, with just with our breath. Hmm. What a fascinating project. And I'm, I'm particularly intrigued by the blending of the science and, and the faith um, aspects. Um, what a, what a privilege to see um, what you're building on with those, with your training as an Anglican priest and your experience as a spiritual director. It, it just seems like the perfect marriage of your gifts and your passions. And I can hear the joy in your voice. It is just so fun. I just cannot even get over what I'm hearing from people in, in their, their hope, as well as some, um, some ways that the Lord is using uh, very, very simple practices that you can work through your entire day to recognize that God is present and at work in your life. Um, mm. And I think for, for busy people, that's, that's huge. If we can um, stay connected to God instead of feel like we have to have an hour or two in the morning of prayer, if it can flow through our day, uh, that, that's, that's workable. That's workable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a life. That's a way of living. That's a whole different way of being, of being and living. Um, and I, the world needs this project. This is, um, this is really transformative. I, I love the fact that you have, um, I do know that you physically had a retreat um, recently, and but then you've grown this into this place and space where you can connect with people with technology. I, um, it is, it's a privilege to 
uh, work to um, have Kelfra and her mom from South Africa and Esther from who's a missionary in Thailand and another woman from the Netherlands and Sweden and a whole group of people from England. Uh, But technology a couple of years ago, and I'm, I'm not the type of person that says God told me blank, but it, it seems to me that the Lord was saying last year, I want you to go set a table in the wilderness. Mm. And so technology and doing it this way, I, I mean, I also do this work right here in Atlanta at our cathedral once a month. And I also do this work in a small group um, So I do it in person as well, Uh, but technology just gives it legs. And I just had that sense that this was supposed to be thrown out like seed, you know, like the sower and the seed, like throw it out as far as possible because it's not mine to hold on to. Mm, What a beautiful image. That is such a beautiful image. And um, I did not no, I'm so glad you shared that with us, that you were actually reaching people um, in those places you just mentioned. What a privilege to be able to to uh, gather people um, from around these far places and to with this message of hope and restoration. Um, and uh, it's just, um, I look forward to, to learning more about it and to following your journey. And of course, I'm going to come to Atlanta to see you. And, yes, see you. And, and talk, talk about all the areas in which we're, we're kindred, because this is just, um, um, I love that you're willing to share this with us. And um, I want to, in just a little while, I want to give you an opportunity for people that are um, interested in knowing more and participate and possibly participating. I'd like for you to, um, uh, re- I'd like for you to have a chance to speak to that too, but, um, let's pivot for a minute because there's so many things about your life that I'm intrigued by and that are just so rich with story. And, um, so one of the greatest privileges and joys that I have, um, of being a podcast host is this armchair traveling that I do with my guests. <laughs> um, and earlier I shared the, this Annie Dillard quote with you and, and as a banner quote, as a banner over this conversation we're having and Dillard wrote, go up into the gaps. If you can't find them, if you can find them, they shift and vanish to stalk the gaps, squeak into a gap in the soil, turn and unlock more than a maple, a universe. This is how you spend this afternoon and tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon. You can't take it with you. And um, you and I both have a love for poetry and um, for discovering and for the written word. And so, again, I just want to thank you for spending this time here with me. But um, I'll share with you that recently I was able to travel to Africa where I witnessed a baby giraffe being born <laughs> um, wow. with one of my guests who I was here in my armchair, leather chair, and she had been to Africa. And so, Summer, you were born in Italy, which is one of my most favorite places in the world. And you've returned to Italy in your own travels. And you travel to the Holy Land, a place I've never been. Um, and so um, with that in mind, um, I, I love this idea of um, 
whether we're noticing as travelers in our everyday world or noticing in new and beautiful places, which we've had to board a plane to experience and see, I think there's so much to discover when we look at life as a visitor. So um, pivoting from your recent project, can we, can you speak a little bit about my beloved Italy? I love Italy. <laughs> can you take us there and share with us a little of the sacred beauty of Italy and maybe of the Holy Land? That's a lot of places to ask you to take us with your words. Oh, but. what a treat. Oh, man. <laughs> I love traveling so much. It's, yeah. But what I find uh, when I'm traveling and, you know, as a spiritual director, I'll often, uh, after people come back from big trips, I'll ask them, so uh, what did the Lord show you there? Because almost always there's a huge movement of the spirit that happens when people are traveling, that they have eyes to see and ears to hear and um, being separated from their own space, their own culture, they, they can hear in the midst of that. I was bored on the Italian Riviera. My dad was a medical student in the 1970s. And you can imagine these cool, these cool black and white photos of my parents <laughs> in the 70s, you know, with the Colosseum behind them in their 1970s clothes, their bell bottoms. They're super cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They all look like, um, you know, vinyl album covers. <laughs> but um, I just absolutely uh, loved going back. So I was back two summers ago with my folks. Uh, so my mom and dad and I were there and we did an Airbnb. My parents are not Airbnb people. They are um, you know, Michelin star people, but they were willing <laughs> to stay in this, uh, in this, um, place with us. And it was an apartment four floors above a gelato store. Uh, and it was looking out over the Riviera. And so we had our own, um, our own, patio back patio really on top of this building that looked over the sea and you could hear the waves pull the gravel of the mediterranean sea beaches one after the other so it was a very strong sound we were at the same level of the bells of the of the entire town because we were on the fourth floor so uh, the church was right next to us. We literally had to wear earplugs every night in order to sleep because they were so strong. But by the morning, the earplugs had fallen out and we were hearing this waking up to the world sound with these bells mm -hmm. and with mm. the beach. It was absolutely mm. stunning. And uh, just shopping every day in Sori was such a privilege. We were just five, 10 minutes walk from the town where I had been born. I had been born uh, at, at the hospital, of course, in Genoa, but we lived in an apartment with just a sliver of the sea. Um, mm. And my dad would take, would put me, he was a medical school student. My mom was a, was a teacher 
at the international school. And he would put me in a backpack and take me for a passeggiata every single day, a walk along, uh, along the shore. And if you can think of Cinque Terre without tourists, mm. that is this town. Uh, it's, mm. uh, as you get farther down the shore, it's called Boliasco. It's such a, a beautiful fishing town with all the mm. color of the buildings. But there is something that happens to me when I travel, not just to Italy, but anywhere. But I noticed it in Italy in such a stark way that as soon as I get there, all of my senses are opened up. And it's like I taste things for the first time again. Mm. Do you know that feeling? Yes. 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 It is. It's um, you just become um, and particularly I believe Italy offers that to its visitors. We just feel like um, the sights and the sounds and the smells and everything is just um, on steroids in a beautiful way. It just seems like we're you're. It's a country that calls us to be so alive. I feel, but maybe it's because. Um, I don't know. It's just a mystery, one of those mysteries that we can't understand, but that it's wonderful to experience, right? (laughs) It really is. We spend a lot of time talking about the why, my mom and dad and I, because we've tried to incorporate some of the pieces back into our lives. But I I wonder uh, if part of it is just the slowness of life. Mm. If the uh, the gift, I mean, one of the loveliness is watching a woman buy her bread and the interaction and the slowness within she with which she walks to the bread store and the mm. interaction Summer. she has, and then her walking home. I loved going mm. to the fruit stand. This was my one of my very favorite things. White peaches were in, were ripe when we were there for that week. And Mm. the, we'd go to the store and the woman who owned the store would not let me choose them for myself. She had to choose them for me and she picked the ripest and the most beautiful so that oh, what when a beautiful we, gift. It's a generous lovely? gift. <laughs> yes. Oh, and you know, the first time I experienced a white peach um, was uh, with basil. It was a basil white peach and maybe some sort of lovely vinaigrette. Um, mm. I love I, and the white peaches. There's something about it coming from the South and all of its peaches that aren't white here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a different taste altogether. And I know it's, it's, it's too um, crazy for you to even wrap your head around. But I and my refrigerator right now have blood, blood oranges, which are another <gasps> crazy fruit I love. And you have referenced blood oranges in your bio. And so I think, how did I end up with a bag of blood oranges from Trader Joe's in my refrigerator while I'm almost in the same moment I'm speaking to you. Oh, I love it so much. (laughs) You can taste Italy. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, Well, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this. So if I'm stumping you, that's okay. But if you have a one of your own poems at your fingertips or somewhere close by, I would love for you to read one of your poems because 
Um, we share a lot of many things, including poetry. And um, so having said that, I would love to know if there's um, one particular title of poetry or nonfiction or a wonderful work of fiction, something now that is holding your attention on its pages. I want to know what you're reading. Um, and if you feel like sharing one of your own poems, um, you and I had the privilege of being for a brief amount of time in a poetry group together. So I know that you have a passion for poetry as well, but just for the written word and for books 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 um <laughs> you i would love to i would love for you to speak to that a minute oh fun i'm um yeah trying to think about i'm i'm deep into this presence project work so uh reading poetry happens for me on sundays i uh i kind of set apart the day for Memoir for fun reading. I call it Sabbath reading. <laughs> and so uh, at that time, I'll, I'll read poetry. Um, but yeah, I'll share a poem with you. I've got a, uh, a poem that my sister uses in her, uh, her, her show, her, her fashion show. It's like a performance art show which tells the story of a woman being trafficked, going into human trafficking and coming back out. And this mm -hmm. is one of the last uh, parts of the script that I wrote for her. Mm. So it's, it's Kintsugi Pottery. You know those Kintsugi Pottery that- Oh yes, uh, I was one. hoping it was this one. Yes, oh yes, I do. <laughs> With the gold that they, uh, they when a, a piece is broken, uh, they'll, uh, in Japan, they'll, instead of throwing it away, they'll use uh, gold as the mortar and as the Gorilla Glue, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But here's mm. the poem. In Japan, when a pottery bowl shatters... It's not meant to be swept up, scorned, and carried out with the trash. It's gathered and cradled by the maker, who then creates poetry from a hundred jagged pieces. His base clay craft becomes radiant art with molten gold as glue, branching Metallic capillaries are sealed tight to once more carry water or broth, this time fit for an emperor. It is shimmering beauty, scars turned to glory, and brokenness then feeds a more luminous self as strength weaves through in veins of pure gold. Mm. Thank you, Summer. That's spectacular. This is breathtaking. Thank you so much. Mm. Thank you for letting me what share. A gift. What a gift. What a gift. Thank you. For, I'm so thrilled that you were willing to share that with us and that it was right there somewhere where you could find it <laughs> because I didn't share it with you that I wanted to hear your poetry read. Um, 
Okay, we're going to pivot one more time, and um, I would like to, for you to share with people, um, point them to your website, to your Facebook page, to your Instagram account, anywhere that you'd like to point people, because I just know there are people that want to continue to follow along on your journey. Oh, man, I would love to share the Facebook page uh, where the Presence Project is. The Facebook page is just named The Presence Project, and people can just find it by putting it in their, their finder. And we've got uh, a ton of YouTube videos that are in there that teach this work already that people can learn more if they're willing to brew a cup of tea and sit for a while and, and learn about attachment theory and learn about how they can overcome spaces of extreme anxiety by, uh, by coming close and rooting in God's love. But I, most of my writing these days, honestly, besides those emails, so uh, people can get on my email list at athirstforgod.com. And I send out uh, YouTube uh, videos of Lexio Divina every single week. And it's my way. It's actually my prayer time videoed in a way uh, and given to people so that they can slow down with the word. I believe that slowness uh, is one of the major ways that we capture those in-between spaces that Annie, Annie Dillard was talking about in scripture is one of them, that having those spaces of silence and listening and being present with he who's, who has given us those words uh, gives us a way of of lingering with, of savoring, of beginning a conversation so that the scripture then becomes prayer. So um, you can find that through athirstforgod.com and get on my email list for my writing or uh, those videos or the Presence Project. And then Instagram is just at rev like reverend, but just rev summer joy. Mm. Well, I will put that um, in, in my show notes and in, in my, um, my letter that will be going out um, coinciding with the podcast so that people can find you. It'll be, I'll write it all down and no out and make it accessible for people. Um, so, if there's anything else, I love this um, time that we are having together. And um, uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, it's my time that I really just give you the mic. I give you the floor. I give you the space. And so um, before we end and say goodbye, is there anything else that you want to share or that you is on your heart or that you want to leave people with? Uh, I wonder, we were talking about being tourists someplace overseas, and I love that concept that so many people have talked about, about being tourists in our own hometown. And I, I wonder what it's like to slow down our steps, to open our eyes, 
to even ask the question of um, God, where is the goodness here? Would you show me the gift in the everyday spaces of my life and allow him to give us fresh eyes and fresh tongue, fresh, fresh nose to smell, fresh, uh, fresh touch to be able to, like yesterday, I got to touch the casing, the fuzzy casing of the leaves just, just growing in the garden just about a mm. mile from here but to be given fresh eyes and to slow down and to become a tourist in our own hometown. And I love that. I followed that along in your stories and I was right there with you in the garden and it was, it was, um, it felt so intimate. It's amazing how these spaces of um, social media platforms, if used properly can really um, give us glimpses into um someone else's intimate storytelling and so you did that so beautifully yesterday and I was there in the garden with you oh, and um, <laughs> one of the things that I love to to think about when I'm doing my own exploring is I feel I love to say I'm on an adult scavenger hunt and mm. I love to think about the playfulness and the whimsy um, of being an adult who's going looking and um, I will be 60 this summer, and some days I think I'm seeing the world anew again. And God has been that way to give us um, a fresh set of eyes, and all of our senses can come alive when we just are open and eager for that, I've, I've found. So um, thank you for um, inspiring us and encouraging us and um, for for t pointing us to the beautiful poem of brokenness and healing through your poetry. Um, this has been such a gift to have you here, my friend. Thank you. It's such a privilege, Elizabeth. I just love what you're pointing us to and the work that you're doing in teaching us to have fresh eyes and what a beautiful concept to be adult field trip and the playfulness that that sparks in the right brain. I absolutely love the work that you're doing and I've been following and reading you for years and being inspired by you. So it's always a privilege just to uh, feel a kindred spiritness with you. Well, thank you, friends. So Atlanta is only um, a half a day drive away and um, we can it's, do this. It's on it's on my list. And so promise me that when I come, we'll do part two of this interview and we'll do it with real tea in a real physical place. And we'll be in the same room and um, I will be able to look you in the eyes, which is one of my favorite things to do with people is to look them in the eyes. So that we will do again. But for now, this has been pure delight for me. And I thank you. Yeah, I look forward to the day when I can uh, set a tea table for you in front of my fireplace. That will be lovely. Okay. You pro if you promise to set it, I promise, promise. to come. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, God bless you today. And thank you for sharing so much about your project. And I'll look forward to um, continuing to follow along in, in that part of your journey and other parts of your journey. So thank you I, so um, much, Elizabeth. This is oh, just such a, a treat. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me today. Please visit my website, elizabethwmarshall.com, and click the link marked Peabody's Notebook. I hope you'll sign up to receive weekly emails, which will include 
show notes, news about upcoming guests, as well as opportunities to, to receive what we call a gift from us, a Peabody's Notebook for you to record your own beauty, awe, and wonder in your everyday noticing. The weekly letter will contain updates on an upcoming ebook that will be made available to subscribers of the podcast and Peabody's Notebook letter. We're tucking lots of goodies into our subscriber letter. Notes on what we're discovering in the way of books, articles, quotes, natural beauty, our favorite discoveries on Instagram, and more. So join us, won't you? I'm your host, Elizabeth Wynn Marshall. You've been listening to Episode 5, Season 2. See you next Wednesday and every Wednesday. Thank you for spending a sliver of your day with us.